Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, Justice and the Overthrow of Evil, is the fifth in our series called All Things New, with a conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. As many of you know, we've been in a series ever since Easter uh, about all things new, meaning we believe that God did something unique at Easter where He raised Jesus from the dead, and that has powerful implications for our life both now but also the life to come. Now, some of us may not believe in God, may not believe in Jesus. That's fine. We're glad you're here with us in the journey just to explore. We definitely hope you can bring your thoughts and ideas to the table as we have these discussions. But today, we want to discuss that very important aspect of how when God makes all things new through Jesus in the life to come, that life will be completely free of evil and destruction. That's our topic for today. That's where we're headed. That's what we want to think about and begin to imagine in our journey. And so I want to get us to get started right around our tables with this very simple but probably, you know, impactful question for you this morning. Turn to your neighbors and answer this question together. What right now in your mind is the most horrific thing happening in our world, the most horrific evil Maybe it's something personal, maybe it's something you've seen on the news. And what would it be like if that was completely gone? Two minutes, take a moment, process this with your neighbor, and we'll bring it back together. All right, I'm I'm curious who wants to share with the larger group here this morning about what you're thinking through this morning as we get started. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. It, there's a lot going on in the world, so I couldn't I couldn't really gauge the most the most horrific evil. But um, I have a 15 year old black son, so every day I'm afraid I'm terrified that that something's gonna happen. So I see these documentaries of these young black boys that like the. Central Park Five that were incarcerated for something they didn't do, or this young boy who went to jail for something he he wasn't even convicted of, and he was in solitary confinement, and he gets out and he kills himself. So it's just a lot of, uh, um, you know, around that. And but when I ask my son, because I'm terrified of him now, he's about to go to college. Son, do you want to go to an all-black university? Because that comforts me. And he says, no, mom, because I don't want anybody. He doesn't like people to feel left out. So that's the type of mentality he has, which is beautiful. You know, he wants everybody to be treated like a human. And I'm all about that. But, you know, knowing that he's going to be out in this world and he can be killed for walking down the street or, you know, just for being who he is. He's 6'2", but only 15, and people think he's a grown man. It's just, I'm just terrified. So that's my thing. No, that's real. That's real. Thank you for sharing. We're getting started real quick with issues of racism, issues of black bodies in America. Yeah, that's, that's, that is an evil that we need to deal with. Yeah, what else? 
What else is happening? Yeah, let's head to the back here, the, the high school table, always ready to share. Did you raise your hand too? You did? Okay. I'm gonna, we're going to go one, and then we're going to go two, okay? Um, so, like, watching the news a lot and just finding out about the things that are happening in places that are, like, not our own. So, like, the war in Syria, what's happening in Afghanistan, um, North Korea, all of these places where um, people are suffering and p being put through, like, horrible conditions just makes me think, like, that's the greatest evil, like, in the world. Like, the worst because it should be kind of like a human right to have peace and to know your own religion and to be able to feel safe in where you are and it's just horrible what's happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Jenny? Um, I think just discrimination in general, a lot of things fall under that, like sexism, racism, things like that. I feel like if that was just like, if that was gone, and we could all just talk, then so many other things that we have going on we could talk about, but it's the fact that we all come from different backgrounds and different, like, and we look at, like, the physical aspects that we have. It's, it prevents us from being, being able to have these deep conversations and these meaning, meaningful conversations that could really change, you know. We just, sometimes, even with wars, like, if we just took the time to just communicate, yeah. then so many things wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, let's give it up for the high school section. Thank you. Yeah. What else? Who wants to share this morning what you're thinking about? We've hit it hard. Oh, back, back to the high school section. All right, well, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it live here. All right, yeah. Um, I think it's just it's not safe for any child to go to school in the United States anymore because of everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Little, little gun violence issue? Is that, is that you trying to drop a hint there? Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's give it up for Daniel. Thank you. Yeah? What else? Okay, we're going to move over here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here and then here, okay? Yeah. Well, I still think about uh, the hunger issue and um, how primarily it's a distribution problem. So um, I don't think we would know what it what our world would look like if it was no longer an issue because it would mean something like growing food closer to where people are, distributing the food better, growing better food and changing the whole food supply. Yeah. Like our, our, our food supply is broken with food process. Uh, this is personal to me because I can't really eat processed foods and I end up with all these health issues. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think we know what it would look like. Yeah. No, that's good, yeah, yeah. Let's give it up for Carol real quick. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Last one. Last one. Deborah. Um, it's sad that a seven-year-old was on Facebook pleading with people to stop shooting people. A seven-year-old? Um, somebody sent it to my messenger yesterday. And just to see a young child pleading with and, and her knowing God, she said, God doesn't want the world to be like this. It's so much going on. And then we got a problem with the president um, promoting so much wrongness and, and being engaged in so much wrongness. And God just needs to change a lot of hearts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I think you, you bring up something that maybe all of us um, have hinted at, Deborah, in your last comment there. There's a lot of wrongdoing, a lot of evil in our world, but sometimes the worst forms of evil 
are when the people who have power are the perpetrators of that evil, right? I mean, I think it's one thing sometimes we feel like when people are quote-unquote bad and, you know, it's just like we know we're kind of bad. We're not perfect people. We have evil streaks ourselves. But when people have power and the ability to make others suffer, that somehow gets under our skin because deep in us, I think regardless of whether we're religious or not, deep within us, we, we have this sense that people with power should be good. I mean, that's not always the case, but we, we feel like, man, there, there needs to be some type of standard or higher calling for people with power. Today, we're going to explore a very simple but profound reality, at least with the story and person of Jesus. And it's simply this, that with Jesus, if we can get to the next slide so people can see it, with Jesus, evil will once and for all be removed before the new world is established. And this is going to be done by Jesus himself, by his power, his might, and his own judgment. Again, we've been talking about how the story of Easter, the story of a God who became a man who died and rose again, how that affects everything and makes all things new. And so today we're going to continue with the trajectory that we've been on and reflect on how that necessarily means that evil will once and for all be rid of in our world. We're going to take a look at a number of scriptures. Uh, They're printed on your sheet here. And so if you could just take that out, uh, what what I'm going to do right now is just kind of walk through a couple of these scriptures where this is talked about, and then I'm going to give us another brief moment to discuss with each other basically what we think of these scriptures. Do we think this is true, not true? Why do we think it's true? Why do we think it's not true? And we're going to process how the scriptures of Jesus point to this reality. First of all, as we take a look at the scriptures, we are confronted with this idea that evil, the evil from outside of us, or the evil outside of us, will be one of those things that we'll be rid of. So what do I mean by this? Let's just take a look at the first scripture excerpt. In 1 Corinthians 15, a letter written to the Jesus followers in the city of Corinth some 2,000 years ago, the author says this, but there is an order to the resurrection. Uh, this is actually a, an excerpt we read on Easter Sunday. And so if, you, if this sounds familiar, uh, it's from there. But it kind of talks about this order of resurrection that we've discussed the last few weeks. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ, or Jesus, was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After this, the end will come. When he will turn the kingdom over to God, the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, this is a fascinating picture, again, of what started on Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead. We've talked about in the last few weeks how that meant or means that we will one day be resurrected ourselves, and we see this in the order that's discussed. A few weeks ago, we talked about how that also means that this whole created universe will somehow be resurrected as well. It will be made new. And then here in this excerpt, we begin to read that at the end of all this, part of what's involved is that 
everything evil will be, will be destroyed, including death itself. A couple things you want to note just to understand the interpretation here. First of all, in the uh, third to last sentence where it says, Jesus having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, those words refer not necessarily to political or human institutions of power and authority, but to spiritual institutions of power and authority. What's in mind in the worldview of that time, and also I would argue in the reality of our day today, is that there's an evil in this world, and I'm sure you've seen this, there's an evil in this world that seems to be beyond just human evil. I mean, maybe you felt it yourself. You don't know why it happened, but you were getting upset at somebody, but then all of a sudden you cross that red line, you know, and you went into this beast mode perhaps or something where, where you were just... It was like, man, that wasn't for me. Why, why did I get so evil all of a sudden? Why, why, did I, why, did I, why did I hate so badly? There's an evil that somehow goes beyond this, and, and we can just see it even in our society today. I mean, just think about this, right? Think about this. Every year, $168 billion are made with prostitution. Every year, $168 billion it's estimated right now that 10 million people are involved in prostitution. And of that amount, a very high, high amount uh, involves child prostitution. You just think about that, okay? Uh, their guess is that the U.S. has maybe 300,000 children in the U.S. involved in child prostitution. Now just think about that evil for a second. I mean... Who in their right mind would, dis, would pay money to do something to a seven-year-old, to a six-year-old? I mean, that's, there's an evil that is beyond, beyond us. This text is telling us that there will be a day when Jesus will destroy all of that, will hand over this world to God the Father, and included in that destruction will be actually death itself. Now, the last book in the scriptures of Jesus, the scriptures called Revelation, talks about this as well. And it talks about it in a very poetic way, in a very inspirational way. And so I want to read a quick excerpt from that as well, just to kind of get our mind thinking maybe a little more poetically, a little more uh, metaphorically. Notice in your next excerpt here in Revelation 21, now this is an excerpt of what that final beauty will look like, okay? It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was a, no longer any sea. Now, this isn't a knockoff on, on beaches and oceans. Those aren't bad things. Uh, in the metaphor of the Bible, of Jesus' scriptures, the sea was a place of chaos, of disorder. And so this is trying to say, in this new existence, this new world, no more chaos, no more disorder. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, this is an excerpt that I love to read because it's just such a beautiful picture of what is coming for us, this new world, this new earth, this new heaven, all that we've been talking about in this series. But what's really interesting, if you note, this is in Revelation 21, prior to this chapter, Prior to this excerpt, there are multiple chapters that talk about the destruction of the systematic, political, ideological forces of evil in our world. There's a lot of reference to this city called Babylon, which is the symbolic, metaphorical city of all that is wrong in our world, economically, morally, socially, politically, racially, and this city is going to face judgment from God. And not only will this city face judgment from God, right before Revelation 21, we read of Satan himself. Again, this idea that there's a spiritual power, a spiritual evil beyond us. Satan himself will be thrown into what we call a lake of fire. And so again, there's this picture that before the new world comes, this beautiful place, of no more tears, no more pain, no more death, evil will be dealt with decisively. Now, here's the crazy problem, I think, in the midst of this all. This sounds really good so far, right? I mean, sign me up, right, for this sort of world that's coming. The crazy problem, of course, is as we think about this, as one great Russian... Uh, author once said, the line separating good for evil from evil actually runs right through the human heart. The line separating good and evil isn't just something out there between, yes, surely racist police forces, that's evil, and then you have non-racist police forces. You know, it's easy to say that, but, but what about the, 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 the line separating evil right within us. How does that evil get dealt with? Well, it turns out, even in this book of Revelation, right before this beautiful new world is established, there is a judgment on the evil within us. Notice the third paragraph. And this happens actually right before Revelation 21. You can see the excerpt. It says Revelation 20. It says this, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. 
Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is something that Jesus talked about often. The next excerpt is just one little excerpt of many times Jesus himself directly talked about this. Notice what Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. (laughs) Not just the deeds they do, as in the previous paragraph, but every careless word they speak. And so this is where... This discussion on God getting rid of evil gets obviously a little personal and I think a little difficult because what happens to the evil that is within us, within the people we love, not just in the systems and forces and institutions out there, but what happens when evil is within us? I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick and just process what we've talked about so far. What do you think about this issue of evil in our world, evil in us? More specifically, how do you feel about God being one who gets rid of evil, God being a judge who judges evil? How does that make you feel? What what do you agree with, not agree with, as we've been processing so far? Two minutes, turn to your neighbors. Let's think through this together. All right. Sounds like we're having some good conversation. That's good. Um, Keep talking, but uh, as you wrap up your conversation there, does anyone want to share their reflections with the larger group here this morning? How do you feel about this? What do you think about this? This God who gets rid of the evil, this God who is a judge over evil? (laughs) So... um... One thing we're talking about is just how I really liked how you started with the question of what evil do we see in the world because I think these verses about the final judgment can often be read as like God is judgmental, he hates people, and he doesn't want people in his kingdom. But if we see it as God like protecting the people he loves um, from that evil, it's a whole different light. So I really appreciate that. All right, all right, yeah. Okay, yeah, give her a hand. Give Colleen a hand. Thank you, thank you, yeah. What else? What else? Y'all don't have to agree either. This is, this is a big topic, so don't worry about disagreeing here. Um, so in our group, we were talking basically about, like, like, what is the extent of evil? Like, what does evil mean? Because, and how would that process go along? Because, like, if all of the evil was suddenly gone, right? Like, as we were saying, how would we adjust to that? Yeah. Since, like... We don't like, when you say the word evil, so many people think of some things, but what are like the smaller evils? Like, I don't know. It's just this big complex thing where it's like, what defines evil? What in our, like, the lies or like, you know, the mistakes you make, like what, to what extent is that? And if it all went away, how would we, you know, adjust to that since we're so used to living like and adjusting to everybody else's life and (laughs) we're just kind of used to what everything that's going on at this moment. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, this is, it, in a sense, it's hard, so hard to imagine because, be, like you said, we're so used to living in a world with, quote-unquote, evil, big and small. I mean, it'd be hard to imagine. But then, yeah, you ask a great question. What exactly is that evil? Yeah. What else? What else? Back there, April, you're making me work today. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, anyone who's on the upper deck, don't be afraid to raise your hand. Definitely. Yeah. 
uh, we, we were saying this is a very complicated and, you know, uh, from coming from Easter, we're talking about Jesus and, you know, Jesus, while he's alive, is often talking about grace. And so you read these passages and there's, it seems like there's no grace here. And, and um, yeah, just essentially like talking about the people that are getting thrown in the lake, like what differentiates those people from me and could I be those people and, and like what, like accounting for the careless words and your actions and like essentially if we're all bad people and there's no grace in these passages, like kind of putting all that together. And it's yeah. just a very complicated thought process. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This, what's so fascinating about this, yeah, is it's a, it's a very definitive end uh, right here at the end. It was like evil will be gone and it's, it's done. It's definitive. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, I hope as we read these excerpts and think through this, you know, the, the original recipients of this message from Jesus actually found it quite encouraging, believe it or not. Um, whenever it, the early Jesus followers heard this idea that God was a just God, getting the world of evil, getting rid of evil in our world, uh, many of them received it as good news because the world that they were experiencing and Honestly, the world we're experiencing today, I mean, we started off, right, by talking about the evils we see and feel around us. I mean, for some of us, those are really theoretical, but for some of us, those hit home. I mean, that's real. That's an evil that you could face right when you walk out this door. And so this actually is good news, but there is a missing element that we need to talk about in order to fully understand how this is ultimately good, good news from Jesus. Uh, April mentioned already that when Jesus was here, Jesus actually did talk about this, right? He did talk like this. He, he warned the world of a coming judgment that was going to be definitive and real, but he also told the world that there is a way out of this judgment. There's a way to, out of evil. There's a way to be transformed and rid of evil within your own life. And there is even a way to get rid of evil in the larger institutions if we let Jesus enter in to the picture. Notice this last excerpt uh, on your sheet here today. There are many, many scripture excerpts that talk about this, but this last one, I think, summarizes it nicely for all of us to think about. And if you've been around uh, circles that believe in Jesus, you've probably heard this excerpt talked about before. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. There are some technical terms here that you need to understand in order to understand how powerful this excerpt is. The key one hinges on that word justified. It's a very forensic word, meaning it's a word that comes from the court scenario, from the context of a courthouse. And what this excerpt is telling us is that, yes, everyone has sinned, everyone falls short, Everyone on Judgment Day will stand before God 
and kind of be speechless. I mean, we can kind of defend ourselves like, well, my thing wasn't as bad as her thing or his thing. But the reality is, I think when we meet a perfect and holy God, we will probably be silenced as he just honestly and truthfully says, well, that was kind of evil, wasn't it? When you held that bitterness against your dad or your mom or your friend, that, you can't really wiggle out of that one. This scripture tells us clearly that Jesus, however, when he came, through what he did on a cross, he justified us. What does justify mean? It means basically declare not guilty. Basically, you're acquitted. The charges against you will be dropped. And the reason they're dropped, this excerpt tells us, is because of His grace, His gift of love, what His goodness that was flowing from Him. Specifically, that gift of grace that brought redemption for us. Redemption is another technical word, but you're maybe familiar with recycling. Redemption means to buy something back that once was lost, to buy something back that once was not good, that was corrupt somehow. Jesus, when He came, when He died on the cross, it was actually very simple what He did. He provided a way for us to be declared not guilty. Now, some of us are aware of this. Some of us know this to be true, at least mentally. But I wonder here, at the feeling level, at the heart level, do you really know this to be true? Do you really believe this to be true with how God is and with how Jesus is? Even this past week, I was uh, with somebody who was actually in his 80s. I was with him because of a spiritual retreat I was on, actually. And this person in his 80s, he was talking to me about his spiritual journey. He had been on a spiritual journey since he was 15. And so I was doing the math, he was 81, so 66 years on the spiritual journey. I was like, wow, this guy's, like, this guy's been on it, right? And he said something that was really, on one hand, humbling, I think, but on the other hand, it didn't sit right with me. Because he said something like this, you know, I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen when I face God. You know, I'll just trust Him. I don't know what's going to happen. I could appreciate that, like his humility of like, man, I just don't know about God. I, and that's true. We don't know everything about God. There's a lot of mystery for sure behind him. But it broke my heart, honestly, that he couldn't at least say, you know what? I know I won't be judged. I know I'll be secure and safe. I know I won't have to worry because I will be a recipient of his love. I think all of us need to come to a place where we understand this truth about Jesus so well that there literally is not a hint of fear in us at all 
when we have to come to that stage in life, when we have to ask that question, what will happen when I face God? That's how Jesus wants you to feel. That's how Jesus wants you to understand your actual status of not guilty with Him. And so will you and I receive that for ourselves? But not only that, will you and I get engaged with the good news of letting others know about this Jesus? about this Jesus who is all about justice, who one day will get the world of e- get rid get the rid of evil in our world. And this Jesus who has also given us a way to get out of it. I'm going to invite up uh, the music team and they are going to uh, guide us in a final song here. It's a final song that I think is actually uh, really helpful for us as we reflect on this. Uh, the main chorus basically says, I give myself away, okay? You can read, you can sing and understand this in two ways. You can sing and understand it as, you know, I give myself away before God. Why would you want to say that before God? That's how you receive this gift of Jesus, of justification. You give yourself to Him. You give the control of your life to Him. You just kind of Surrender yourself before God and say, yeah, God, I need this. Can you give it to me? And it's yours. But also, I think the song could be understood like this. I give myself away in terms of, based on this work of Jesus in my life, I'm going to give myself away to the continued pursuit of ridding this world of evil to the continued pursuit of justice in our world through the power and work of Jesus. How might this work? Well, it it works in a lot of ways that we've we've maybe been engaged with justice in our world already. I think about this issue of police brutality and racism in policing. A number of us in the last few weeks have gotten involved in the community forums where we've pressed into, at least in Highland Park, the city council and the borough there to say, hey, there's clear data that there's bias here. You need to do something about it. We are here as citizens. We want to do something with you to bring this change. That's good. We need to keep doing that. But we also need to realize that ultimate evil, both inside of us and outside of us, can ultimately only be taken care of when Jesus in his power comes into our lives and frees us of those things. And we need to make sure we communicate that, that we believe that, and we somehow bring that into the discussion as well. Because the question will always rise, at least with policing. Yeah, you can run bias training. You can put on video cameras on police officers. You can do all those things that are necessary, that give accountability. You can find people. You can do all that stuff. But what's going to change the human heart? What is powerful enough, profound enough, real enough to change the human heart? And we would propose here that Jesus is the only one who can enter in and transform a human heart. And so as we sing this song, I give myself away, sing it to God as a response of saying, yes, I need you, Jesus, to take care of this issue with me, but I need you to help me to join in that movement of continued justice 
and getting the world of evil. Could you join me in a final word of prayer here this morning? I want to invite you as we have this final word of prayer. If you have never really understood this idea that you are justified, that you are declared not guilty before God because of what Jesus has done for you, because of your receiving of what Jesus has done for you. I want you to simply pray a prayer in your heart now that says this, Jesus, I give myself to you. Would you give me this gift of being not guilty before you? I receive that. I receive you as my leader in my life. Would you remove the fear, remove the guilt, remove the worry and anxiety that I have with you? And for those who are wanting to continue to see more and more justice and the ridding of evil in our world more and more, can I invite us too to pray this simple prayer? I give myself to you, Jesus, so that you can use me for greater justice in our world. Help me to see how you, Jesus, play that crucial role that I need. And so, God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for a moment to reflect. Continue to help us on this journey that we're on. It's through you we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.